0: So a couple of weeks ago, we started our new series called Restoring Faith, where we're talking about what it means to be a Christian at the core of what it means to be a Christian in a response to what God has done is the word faith and faith drives everything. And I just want to let you know tonight and the sounds outside are a little bit uh, kind of apt for what I'm about to say, but tonight may feel like going to the dentist, all right, and we all know that going to the dentist is a good thing, but we put off this very good thing why? Because it's painful. But at some point the pain kind of outweighs the awkwardness and eventually we go and we deal with it. And I think that's what's going to happen tonight. Is that some of us are carrying in a lot of a certain type of pain and you've been trying to ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. And tonight we are going straight in. And if that scares you, well, sorry, you're already here. You're not allowed going anywhere. Shut the doors. Um, and, but I really am trusting God to do something in your lives tonight. But before I tell you more about what we're going to be speaking about, I want to tell you why. Recently, and we were even talking about it just now, recently two, in inverted commas, Christian celebrities came out of the closet saying that they are unfollowing Jesus. Now, they aren't doing what some have done, which is kind of start really maybe teaching some strange things or going down a bit of a strange road and let's maybe just be a bit cautious about what they're saying. No, they're actually saying the whole thing, we want nothing to do with it. And and these are Christians who have led large churches, who have sold millions of books, who have written some of the songs that we love to sing at this church and are saying we are rejecting Christ and everything to do with Him. Now that saddened me deeply. I can't even begin to understand what sets of circumstances led them to make those kinds of decisions. But what saddened me even more than these two people is that for every two Christian celebrities out there that are walking away from the faith, how many people are sitting in our churches that are thinking about doing the exact same thing? And maybe for you, it's already started with a nagging thought or a concern, or a doubt, or a question. And you're scared to acknowledge the doubt. You're scared to go because you don't know what that means. Because maybe if you go there, maybe you're next. And that scares you. Maybe it doesn't even scare you anymore. You're beyond that. And maybe you just know that the next step for you is just to stop believing. And so tonight I want to talk about what do we do when we have these doubts? What do we do when we have questions that maybe in our perspective don't seem to have answers? I mean, what do we do when we look at the kind of week our nation has had and we start asking questions like we have maybe seen on social media, questions like how could a good God let some of these things happen to the people in our nation? Or what do we do when you hear one more story of a pastor who is found guilty of sexual or financial misconduct? Or maybe it's closer to home for you. What do we do when we look around us, especially on social media, to be honest, where it seems like all those who call themselves Christians seem to be the least Christ-like? Maybe for you it's more intellectual and, and you've read a book or you've listened to a podcast or you've had a conversation with somebody and they've posed a question to you that is unsettled to you and, and rattled your cage. And it seems as if they've got a point. What do you do when it seems like whenever science comes out with something new, seems to potentially discredit something in the Bible? Or what do you do when you are reading your Bible and you come across something you're like, what, is that in there? Should that be in there? Oh, am I supposed to believe that stuff? What do we do in those moments? And for some of us, if we're really honest, it's got nothing to do with questions. It's got nothing to do with doubts. It just seems like Christianity feels like a straitjacket and feels like the party's so much better out there. And we actually just wish we were able to go and join them. And for that reason, uh, the faith seems so claustrophobic and you just want to throw it off. Now, I don't know know where you are at. Here's what I do know is that churches on average haven't been very good at engaging questions and doubts like this. In fact, there's so much research that has shown that one of the many common factors amongst people leaving churches, especially younger people, is that when they finally had the courage to raise their question, to, uh, to raise their doubt and to express their concern, they've been shut down. No, no, we don't ask questions like that. No, we don't go there. Just belief. just belief. And for that reason, they've been sold this idea that I've got to believe in something for which there's no evidence. And that it's actually easier to give up that kind of fragile faith. So I'm most definitely not going to try and answer all the questions I have raised tonight. I'm sorry. I'm going to point you to some resources later on that may help. But what I want to do tonight is talk about how do we engage our questions How do we embark on a journey of actually journeying with our doubts and our concerns? And maybe we can come out stronger on the other side. So to help us on this journey, I'm gonna just give a thumbnail of four stories that happened in the New Testament, four stories of doubters. Uh, the references will be on the screen behind me. Please go home, read them for yourself. I'm just gonna narrate the story, maybe pick out a few verses here and there. But the first person I wanna talk about is found in Mark chapter nine, and this is the story of a desperate father. The story of a desperate father who's watched his son go downhill very quickly. who watched his son lose his speech. He's watched his son have these violent fits and attacks to the point where he's hurting himself and he's hurting others. He's watched his son come under the influence of some unspeakable evil and try and throw himself into the fire to burn himself and and throw himself into the water to drown himself. Can you imagine the desperation of this father? That by the time he comes to Jesus, he asks him this, but Jesus, but if you can do anything, Take pity on us and help us. Jesus says, If you can, everything is possible for him who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Can you see what's going on there? Jesus, "I I want to believe. I want to have hope, but I'm, I can't see the wood for the trees anymore. Man, I've been dealing with it for so long. It just feels like things are never going to change. So yes, I want to believe, but, but just help my unbelief. So what does Jesus do at that point? Does He bring up the faith All right, and let's check out where your faith is. Oh, man, almost. Just a little bit more faith, I would have healed your boy. No, Jesus steps in as he does. And with compassion, he heals this man's son. Then we've got probably the most famous skeptic in the Bible who's been given the unenviable name of Doubting Thomas. I think when we all go up to heaven, we're going to be saying, oh, there's Doubting Thomas. And he's going to be like, "Uh, just Thomas, guys. Uh, um, Thomas will do just fine. All right, and, and the story goes that after the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus has appealed, appeared to all the disciples. They run into a room where Thomas is present. And hey, Thomas, you need to see Jesus is actually alive. And Thomas goes, you know what? I want nothing of it. I mean, maybe you believe and maybe you're convinced and maybe you're excited about this, but I am not gonna believe until I've become convinced. I wanna see the evidence. I want to see the hole in His hands. I want to see the hole in His sides. Then maybe we can talk about me also believing. And again, was Jesus kind of outside, hoping to come in and bless Thomas, kind of like saying, oh, Thomas, really? I I had so many plans for your lives and all you needed to do was believe and now you've failed me. No, Jesus comes in. He steps into Thomas's doubt and He shows him the evidence and says, look at my hands. Look at the hole in my sides. And Thomas falls down on the floor saying, oh Lord, my God, and worships Him. Thumbnail number two, then there's another story, one maybe that is less known. It's about John the Baptist. And in Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist hears about everything that his cousin Jesus is doing. And he's performing all these miracles and he's healing people the problem is John the Baptist is sharing these stories from prison. Now imagine what that's like. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. I'm so glad Jesus is healing everybody else. What about me? I mean this is not what I thought the kingdom of God was going to look like. This is not what I believe Jesus' victory was going to look like in my life. And so he sends a message to Jesus and he, and he asks this. He says are you the one who was to come Or should we expect someone else just checking? Because while he was waiting, he was literally waiting to have his head taken off. What does Jesus do? Does he say, oh, John, 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 really, John? No, he speaks to his disciples and he says, you know what, guys? Among men born of women, there has not been a greater man thumbnail sketch number four is one that I never even knew existed up till a number of years ago in Matthew chapter 28 again after Jesus' resurrection and he is with his twelve he is at the top of the mountain he is about to give them his marching orders when he says going to all nations making disciples of all nations baptizing etc he's about to give them that great commission he's about to ascend into heaven and they're on the top of the hill and this is what it says in verse 17 when they saw him they worshipped him But some doubted. Have you ever thought, oh man, if I could just see a real genuine miracle, then I would believe. And I'm sure everyone in my family would believe. Well guys, these guys had seen Jesus feed the 5,000. These guys had seen Jesus walk in water. These guys had seen Jesus rebuke fig trees and they die and speak to waters and they calm down and seen seen Him speak to evil spirits and they depart. They had seen him be beaten and and killed. They had seen him rise from the dead. And for that reason, some worshipped. Yes, some worshipped. But then there were some who doubted. I wanted you to notice in these four stories how God responds to every single one of their doubts. So let me ask you a question. Was anyone in these stories disqualified because of their doubts? What is the answer? The answer is no. And i ask the question that way because if you are doubting here tonight, and there's a thought in your mind that you're so afraid that if you ask that question, you're going to go down the road to unbelief. I want to set you free from the idea that somehow dating is the opposite. <laughs> Doubting. (laughs) Dating takes great faith. Um, That somehow doubting is the opposite of faith. That somehow, because you're doubting, you are sinning against God. And what I want to show you tonight is that doubting doesn't mean that you have no faith. But it means you are engaging your faith that you have an active faith and the process can actually lead you to a stronger faith. Timothy Keller, who I quote, probably most regularly here other than C.S. Lewis here at Riverside, the reason is because he preaches in Manhattan, New York, and he preaches to kind of the the elite in New York and he's kind of speaking to their intellectual questions. So he's always speaking about faith and doubt and the questions that they have. And and this is what he says about faith and doubt. He says, a faith without some doubts is like a human body without any antibodies in it. People who blithely go through life too busy or indifferent to ask hard questions about why they believe and they do will find themselves defenseless against either the experience of tragedy or the probing questions of a smart skeptic. A person's faith can collapse almost overnight if she has failed over the years to listen patiently to her own doubts which should only be discarded after long reflection. According to Timothy Keller, the strongest form of faith is one that has wrestled with doubts. And so as I was preparing the message, I was trying to come up with a metaphor or a word picture to try and help us understand kind of the dense paragraph we've just read. And so just go backwards technologically with me in 10 years and uh, you'll see why I say that. So I want you to imagine, You know, remember those point and shoot cameras before we had camera phones and after we had film cameras? All right, point and shoot cameras. There's a phase where that's what everyone wanted. All right, so, so imagine there's person A and person B and both of them get a point and shoot camera as a gift. All right, so person A. Person A opens up the camera, they're using the camera, they're loving it, all right? They've got a family, they're chilling outside one day by the pool and what, falls in, falls into the pool and they freak out, all right? So they pull it out the pool and as they're freaking out, somebody says, hey, listen, just before you freak out, just go read the manual, just see what's going on here. And so they do, they read it and they realize, oh, wow, this is one of those waterproof cameras. Waterproof up to 10 meters and the pool's only a few meters. That means we're good. Oh, dodged a bullet a few weeks later driving around got the camera on the lap in the car get out the car camera falls down on the ground oh man oh actually we know we learned something last time before i freak out and think maybe the camera is broken let me go read the manual again Oh, oh wow it's it's actually it's not only is it waterproof but it is shockproof for up to three meters and wow that's good news i don't have to freak out Let's just read on and let's just see what else this camera is capable of. Oh, I see it's dustproof too. So imagine a few weeks later, chilling around as a family, freaking out. Where's the camera? Can't find it anywhere. Somebody looked through the, through the, uh, uh, the window and there it is outside in the rain, in the muddy lawn. All right, will person A at that point freak out? No, why? Number one, they know it is waterproof. Number two, they know it's shockproof. So whether it was the kids or the dog that got it out there, they know it's good. And because of its reliability when it came to its waterproofness, if that's such a word, and its reliability when it came to its shockproofness, they are probably inclined to trust that it is in fact a dustproof. And so without freaking out, they can go outside and enjoy continuing to use the camera. That's person A. Now imagine person B. Person B is a lot more gentle with the camera. Person B is not dropping it in the pool, not dropping it off their lap outside onto the pavement. But anyway, person B also, a few weeks time, they're freaking out, can't find the camera. Someone looks outside and there it is in the rain, in the middle of the lawn and the mud. So they start freaking out. So they go outside, get it, pick it up, try and switch it on, doesn't go on. So what did they conclude? It's broken Let's discard it. You see, person B hasn't discovered it is waterproof. Person B hasn't discovered it's shockproof and it's dustproof and just didn't bother to figure out maybe it's just the battery. And so person A discovered, because of the questions they've been forced to ask about the camera, they've discovered that the camera is bigger than the problem Whereas person B was under the perception that the problem was bigger than the camera and therefore get rid of the camera. And you see that, and how often do we do that with our faith? That maybe we're discarding it prematurely and we haven't allowed our doubts and our questions to push us into the world of discovering how strong and capable our faith and our God truly is and so here's my first big thought for the evening and the thought is this doubts help you discover things you never knew about your faith that's what happened with person A in the camera right the fact that you're asking questions doesn't mean that you don't have faith it means you have an active faith it means you are engaging your faith it means that you're growing in your faith so what we need to do is we need to allow our doubts and our questions push us deeper into God's Word Push us deeper into the rich world of theology where God's word is richer and more nuanced than you've ever believed. Where there are people who are far more intelligent than I ever will be who have wrestled with these questions for years and years. And who can be a good guide to us as we have these difficult questions. Or maybe we need to allow these doubts and these questions to push us us into the rich world of apologetics, which we're gonna speak about just now. That's where people engage these difficult questions. Well, what about suffering and evil? And can a good God be compatible with the evil in this world? And can we trust the Bible? And can we trust that Jesus actually rose from the dead? And there's so much good stuff that if you're gonna allow yourself to enter that world, that you can come out stronger with a more robust faith. Now, maybe this is not going to happen overnight. We are so used to getting our thoughts formed by our little sound bites and the Twitter sphere and little Facebook posts. And if we're going to put down deeper roots, it means we're going to engage and we're going to wrestle, and this may take time. But that's a good thing, right? Maybe you're going to discover that Christianity is more complex and more nuanced than you previously thought, which is a good thing. Maybe as you discover new things about your faith, you're going to have to abandon certain ideas about God that are not true and that's a good thing. Maybe some of you are going to have to abandon a God that does not exist, which is a good thing as you allow your questions to push you deeper into Him. So the first big thought is that doubts doubts help you discover things you never knew about your faith. But the second big thought is this, the doubts help you discover things you never knew about you. So these questions can help you understand God in deeper and more rich ways, or they can help you understand yourself and what's really going on in you. Sometimes the problem isn't so much what God did or didn't say, but what you wish God did or didn't say. And you're faced with a decision. Maybe I don't like that. But do I get to reject God because I don't like what He said? What's going on inside me that causes me to want to reject Him? You're going to have these crucial moments where you're suddenly going to realize that God is not made in your image. And that God doesn't always agree with you. And how we respond in those moments is going to be so vital. And maybe it is you that needs to adjust your focus. Not so much about learning something new, but adjusting yourself to Him. See, what is so, I've seen this so many times is when somehow we come across something in the Bible that disagrees with me or disagrees with some cultural value and people see that as a good reason to believe that God does not exist. How can God say that? Let's just think about how illogical that is. In fact, I think that's a good argument that God does exist. Imagine God agreed with everybody. Everybody he would be contradicting himself all over the planet, quite literally, pun intended. Imagine he agreed with every culture. Some cultures love their neighbours, some cultures eat their neighbours. Doesn't it make sense that at some point, God is going to contradict everybody and every culture? And here's why I think that this is proof that God does exist, because number one, you're not God. If God only agreed with you, that makes You, God, and I hate to tell you this, but you will make a horrible God. And so when these questions bring us to places where we've got to choose whether we're going to go with our own shifting judgments or trust God, those are such vital growing moments. Think about the things you feel so passionately about today and some of them are great things. But think about the things you were so passionate about 10 years ago and 10 years before that. Think about how quickly culture has shifted on certain issues in 10 years. You think God is that fickle that he's gonna be on your team 10 years ago and on your team now? I would wanna to suggest to you that God is bigger than that and that God's perspectives are gonna be bigger than sometimes our Perspectives. But as these questions push you deeper into also understanding yourself, sometimes it's not an intellectual problem or a theological or a biblical problem. For some of us, it's an emotional problem. And when you really come to grips with why you are wanting to abandon the faith, maybe you discover, but the truth is you're actually angry with God, or you're disappointed with God, or you're confused. And you've never felt the freedom to express that. And somehow you've always thought that But if I tell God, if I tell somebody I'm angry with them, that surely means I'm a bad Christian. And if you're angry with God, if you're disappointed or confused about things that He said or things that He's done, I just want to say to you tonight, join the club. Number one, because I know Craig and I, we've experienced a full range of emotions when it comes to our engagement with God. But not just us. I want to say, join the club with David. Just go read the Psalms and see how David was able to express some of his doubts and his frustrations and his concerns. Go to someone like Jeremiah, who's like, God, you've tricked me. That's not fair. Or go to Isaiah and Habakkuk who said, God, can you even see what's happening in your own nation? Because it really seems like you're sleeping. And what I want to suggest to you tonight is that if you do have questions that are rooted in emotions and anger and fears is to bring them to God. Bring them to God and you will discover a God that steps into that space and meets you there without rejecting you. He's a big boy. He can handle it. I can promise you that. But you're engaging him even if you're engaging him with your woundedness and your pain. And so I want to encourage you to engage your questions, engage your emotions, engage your doubts, see what you can discover about our faith. Last year, in fact, I think it was about this time, we did a series called The Reason for Everything, where we dealt with questions like faith and science and who started this all and the Big Bang and, and can we trust the Bible and uh, uh, what about the resurrection? I mean, is that in fact true? And we, in fact, we also spoke about gender and sexuality and we spoke about hypocrisy And if you have questions about any of those issues, I suggest that you go back there. One of the things that we did just to help you and equip you is that we took transcripts from the sermons, kind of edited them a little bit and put them into an 80-page PDF document that is available to you for free right now. If you go onto your phone, onto the Oikos app and go to the menu, resources, scroll all the way to the bottom, there it is for you. There's a resource for you to help you take a few steps into discovering what is true about our faith and what we believe. Or for you to walk a journey with someone else who's on the same journey. And so engage your questions, but I also wanna encourage you to engage your questions and process your questions with people you trust. Don't do this alone. I love the potential of life groups. I wish that life groups would increasingly become a space, just a microcosm of the church where we respond like Jesus to other people's doubts. Where instead of shunning people or treating them like they've got some weird disease, it's like, no, actually this is a safe place for you to process your questions. And so just FYI, life group leaders and all of those of you who are in life groups who are maybe gonna walk a road with someone, is we need to be patient with these people. Don't just shut them down with Twitter-level answers. Recognize that people's concerns, especially when they are worried that it's gonna lead them to leaving the faith, are gonna be nuanced. They're gonna be biblical and theological, and it's gonna be how we think and who God is, and it's gonna be emotions and my hurts and my failed expectations. And so a quick little paragraph answer is not gonna fix everyone so quickly. But I love this idea that, man, can the church be in in people's homes, spaces where we can do this safely? where we will have the love and support that one day you may need when your time comes, when you are wrestling and when you are doubting. I want to tell you, quite honestly, not only have I felt some of these emotions, anger and frustration and hurt with regards to God, But there are things that I still wrestle with. There are things that I read and I don't know if I like. And I don't know what to do with them. There are questions that I still have. And it feels like probably this side of heaven, they're gonna remain unanswered. And there are seasons when those questions and those doubts and those concerns seem like the biggest thing in my life and everything else fades into insignificance but here's what's at least been true for me and I pray will be true for you that even when it feels like the whole thing is so fragile and it's going to fall down like a house of cards one place that has been a constant place of safety and security and certainty is the person of Jesus Christ and even if I'm confused about everything else he has remained the same And not just facts about Jesus, Jesus Himself. And therefore, I want to encourage you that even in the middle of your doubts, your questions, to walk towards Him. And I pray that you find that He walks towards you as He did in all four of those stories. I just want to wrap up as I think about those disciples in Matthew 28, some of whom worshipped, some of whom doubted. Do you know that every single one of those disciples went on to make a massive impact for the kingdom of God? Every single one of those disciples went on to be a missionary, went on to plant churches, went on to suffer greatly for their conviction about who Jesus was. Most of them, bar one, went on to die for their conviction about who Jesus was. the reason why I go back there is because I want to encourage you tonight with these words, doubt is not the end of the road for you. And maybe it feels like there's no way that I'm going to come out the other side of the season that I'm in. And I just want to encourage you like just maybe there is a deeper faith on the other side of the season that you're in. And I think this is just a good time for us to pray and to trust the living God who walks with us, who is patient with us, and that we hear tonight's message as an invitation to the person of Jesus. We discover him to be true and reliable trustworthy. So Father, we thank you that you are fathering us right now. Thank you that you are patient with us. Thank you that you do not disqualify us as we try and wrap our minds around some of the difficult questions that are posed to us and the difficult experiences of life and the pain that we see and endure. And thank you, Lord, that you actually enter that space with us. Jesus, you have demonstrated on the cross that it is in the darkest moments of history where we start to see resurrection, life and light. And I pray that even right now, Holy Spirit, that for anyone here or anyone listening to this online who may be experiencing the darkness of doubt, I just pray that you would just shine some hope, a real hope. And that the person of Jesus would become real again. And that would come through the season of doubt with a stronger faith, a more robust faith. A faith that has deeper roots and is able to withstand more of life's difficulties. A faith that also pushes us deeper into who you are, Jesus. And we experience even more your love, your life, your spirit. So Father, I pray for anyone here tonight for whom this is ringing true. I pray that we walk out tonight with fresh hope and a fresh journey to walk with you, and to walk with one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.